I usually do not make podcasts right after I get up and do my prayer devotion or whatever. But this time, I really felt like I should do this. And (laughs) I've been thinking about this topic for a little bit. And I guess there's a few principles I'd like to talk about from what conversation is and what it means to be a partaker. And the reason why I think I feel felt led to do this episode is there's especially this year there's been a lot of strange spiritual and really kind of going into a little bit of last year a lot of strange spiritual attacks that have came and it's just like for me it's weird because I know I've crucified my flesh I know I've gotten rid of things that I know I should have gotten rid of I know I've just done everything that I know is right. I pray, I read, I fast, blah, blah, blah. And I know there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this who might feel the same way. Now, if you have a door open in your life and sin, this makes sense. But this isn't exactly what I'm here to talk about today. I'm a hit on it. I'm a hit on that. But, you know, for me, some of the stuff that's just been coming, not necessarily prevailing. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but it's just like, why is there a breach? I think that's what I I'm trying to get at because I know and I I think I mentioned this on a podcast a while back, but about a year ago or so, I remember when I was praying and I heard very clearly the Holy Spirit was telling me to seal the tiny cracks. And in some ways it made sense, but it's really these little disciplines, the little foxes that can spoil the vine. It's the little disciplines that snowball into big disciplines the little problems the little seeds that snowball into big trees whether it's a tree of righteousness or unrighteousness it's it always starts as something small so it's very important that we are sealed in the spirit that we are fully committed to god in all of our ways so i really was wanting to start with Ephesians 5, but I think I'm going to go back a chapter and start with Ephesians 4. And there's a few things I'd like to talk about when I was praying, because I'm like, this, some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. Some of this stuff, and not that everything needs to make sense, but like I said, there's just some things that I've been dealing with to where it's like, okay, I've done all that I know to do as an individual, but There's some things that aren't just about the individual. So that's what I hope to cover today. So starting with Ephesians chapter four and verse one. And right before I start this, I'd like to open up with prayer. So dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everything you provided for us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a revelation of any breaches that would be in our life, that you would give us a revelation of how to fortify, how to be walking in the spirit, walking in the light. I pray, Lord, that you would break off any way of drunkenness, any way of stupering, any way of deceit, 
any way that we are walking that is in falsehood and we don't even know. I pray, Lord, that you would break every veil of deception, every covering of death in the name of Jesus, and that you would lead us and guide us in your light, that we would be led by your voice, that you would give us the ear of the learned and the tongue of the learned, that we may speak as we ought to speak, that we would walk as we ought to walk, and that you would just lead us and guide us in all of your ways. I pray, Lord, that people would hear your voice and that your truth would set people free today in Jesus name. Amen. So as always, I hope your scuba diving gear was on. I haven't been good about all the fun cliche things I would usually say, but we're already about to dive into this. And like I said, I just, I've, I've only been up for so long today, so might be a little different today, but Ephesians chapter four, starting with verse one, and it says the following. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. I want to highlight that. I've always thought it was interesting that Paul would describe himself as a prisoner of the Lord or as someone who is a servant or someone's in bonds, an ambassador that's in bonds. And the thing is. A lot of times we talk about freedom and we talk about liberty in Christ, but liberty, the thing about liberty is as you grow and as you read in the Bible, you learn that it's not really liberty to do something, but it's more so liberty from something. We get this liberty by being bound to something different. So as we submit ourselves to Christ and we walk in the calling that he has, we're not just walking any kind of way. We're not walking in the occasion of the flesh, every opportunity of the flesh. We're not necessarily, that's not necessarily what the liberation is for, but the liberation is from the chains of bondage. And we're bound to Christ. We are in Christ. And that's where we receive our freedom. So you're gonna be bound to something and you're gonna be loosed from something. So we have to decide, are we gonna be bound to the spirit or to the flesh? So. Anyways, continuing on with the calling, with all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is also the same also that ascended far above the heavens and that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, I think it's interesting that people like to talk about the fivefold ministry and there's other passages of scripture that have the same list and it's a longer list, it's different list. And then really even here, it's really only talking about four different things. So is it really fivefold? Is there only one way that you can operate? That's just some things I'd like to think about because I think a lot of times, like I said, as I've grown and as I've read and as I've studied, I've, I've looked into a lot of different circles. I've looked into really traditional circles, fundamentalist circles, apologist circles, theological circles. I, I've really looked at all of a lot of it and studied a lot of it myself. And there's some aspects of truth with all of them. But I think especially when it comes to 
a lot of theology. And I think I want to be careful about the way that I say this because I'm very grateful for a lot of studies. I'm very grateful for a lot of materials that we have for people who've studied the past, studied archaeology, studied all this different stuff. But when it comes specifically to the area of theology, it just means a study or a logic, a set of logic about God. And I think one thing I've realized as I used to study theology, I don't really like it at all anymore. And the reason why I say that is I think it tends to become wind and confusion. I think it tends to become idolatry as (laughs) when I say wind and confusion, I think it's Isaiah like 29 or something where it talks about how when people make idols, but in Colossians, it talked about not to go after the rudiments of the world or the philosophies of men. And one thing I've realized, and I'll just give a quick example, and I know I'm getting off topic here, but here's a big topic of theology, dispensationalism. And we're talking about there's different times and dispensations and blah, blah, blah. And there's a dispensation of the law and then there's a dispensation of grace and blah, blah, blah. And I I know I had a whole book that one of my friends gave me, which I was grateful for these books um, as he was in Bible college. But even as I was reading that, I was like, this is something that's not resonating with me. And then even as I've gotten the two etymology rather than looking at definitions, which etymology is just a fancy word of saying the truth, the fancy word of saying the study of the original definition That's basically what it means. So when you're looking at the root of a word and what it originally meant, And when I was looking at the word dispensation about a month ago, all that means is dispersing, like literally in the word dispensation dispense. So a dispensation and a lot of dreams, I know, too, and a lot of times, you know, I'll see something with currency or with money that I'll have. And sometimes I'll be wasting the money and stuff like that. And I've come to learn that this is representation of what I'm doing with the grace in my life. Am I using it for good? Am I wasting it in an area? Am I wasting my energy and effort trying to do something in this area? That's one thing, you know, that I've come to learn. But like I said, dispensation, the word dispensation means a dispensing of not necessarily a time period. And that's why I was saying to where a lot of times we can get caught up in a man's mindset or a man's tradition, a man's philosophy. And a lot of times it can create idolatry. It's not the, it's not even that always the theological concept, like the very basic version of it is necessarily bad. But a lot of times when you make a whole circle around these big topics, we tend to mention, miss the very revelation. That's very clear. If you would just read the Bible for what it says and pray for the spirit of revelation for yourself. So I think, like I said, personally, I think it creates a lot of strongholds of confusion. It turns, like, for example, eschatology, I think it turns the book of Revelation into a book of confusion because we're using all these man's thoughts and trying to see the Bible through this specific lens instead of just seeing it for what it says. So that's one thing I would encourage, you know, I'm not saying that you can't look at any commentaries, that you can't look at this or that, but just read the Bible for what it says. Don't necessarily go off of what some big scholar said or nothing, but read it for what it says and pray about it. Because the Bible says when you're filled with the spirit and John, first John, that you will not have no need of a teacher. And it's very important. Even Paul in Galatians, 
and I'll make an episode about this. But when he's talking about how when he was called, he didn't seek any man. He didn't seek any validation from men like he used to. But he spent three years, just him and God studying and only 15 days with Peter. And he spent a little bit of time with John. But his time in the word for himself, his time with God for himself was able, made him able to see when the conversation of Peter was off. And when he was doing something that wasn't biblical. So it's very important. It's not about being argumentative. The purpose of everything with God is to see restoration. It's not even necessarily about rebuking or anything like that, but it's just about focusing on God, focusing on him and putting others first. So like I was saying, there's the different offices that were mentioned here. And what's the purpose of this? We are in unity of the spirit. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Now, it's about to take a turn here, and this is going to start getting into the topic I really want to talk about. But right before I even get into that, I want to emphasize that as I've read and as I've studied and as I've tried to even collaborate with people who are Christian, but don't believe the same thing about salvation, they don't believe the same thing about different things. The thing is, the spirit is the one that gives us the desires. It's not our own interpretation of the Bible. It's what the Bible says is the spirit. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Like it's all one thing. So the unity, a necessary requirement of unity is the truth, the light, because when you try to mix the truth with other things, it's not going to work. I know there's one time when I was talking with somebody from my school who, or they weren't from my school, but they did a ministry at my school. And I've had a lot of people reach out trying to get me to be a part of their ministries. And I've been very careful about that or not careful. That's not the word, but been praying about it. And I haven't been quick to join up with everybody. And there's a reason for that. Uh, And one of the times I didn't do that and I decided to go out and minister with somebody who I didn't fully agree with. As we were talking, there were some things that I knew about from reading the Bible, my experience, but I knew that the person that I was with believed something completely different. So if I would have went into this topic and really addressed it as I should have, that would have created division and the whole purpose of evangelizing would have been wasted because the people who are doing it together aren't in agreement. So a necessary part of unity is the truth. It says in verse 13, till we all come in unity of what? Just unifying just to unify? No, it's not eumenicism. It's not just the universal faith. We're just all together and we're holding hands because the Bible says, though hand joined in hand, the wicked will not prosper. So we need to make sure that we're not in wickedness, but we are unity of what? Faith, our belief in our actions and in the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we should be making the unity to completeness in God to the purpose of our unifying is to come into unity of faith and of knowledge of Christ. So we can't just unify with anything without truth. There is no unity. That's why truth is so important because the truth is a uniter and a divider. It divides the falsehood off. So if you decide to walk in falsehood, there is no unity to be had. So we're going to continue to talk about this as the scripture goes on. So 
a lot of people only like to focus on that unity part, but we need to read just this chapter alone in the fullness. So verse 14 now that we henceforth no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Remember, this season we've talked a lot about ignorance and foolishness and wickedness. It's really the same thing. Ignorance and wickedness, they go together. Foolishness and greediness, they go together. So, continuing on. So, they, the way of the Gentile is the way, or the way of the unbeliever is the way of ignorance, which is blindness. They're ignoring the commandment. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, which means lawlessness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. What is the motivation behind foolishness as we've talked about? The motivation behind foolishness is greediness. And the motivation behind uh, ignorance is wickedness that is within people. So, continuing on, but ye have not, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, that ye put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man, which is after God which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I think it's interesting that it's a true holiness because you can have a form of godliness. You can have a form as I've talked about, you can have some people try to mix and even within holiness movements. And it's, it's really, it's really been arcing me a lot. As I see this, you know, I just pray about it. You know, it's not always for me to talk unless God has led me to say something to someone specific, but I've noticed the rise of, trying to mix the flesh and holiness, which just creates flashiness. So it's a form of maybe holiness. It's a form of being set apart, but the true holiness is in humility and sobriety and not tempting people into lust, not being offensive as we've talked about in that first episode of the season. So that you put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away Lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no 
corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, here's the part I want to focus on. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. And that's one of the things I was kind of praying about because there's things that you need to work on within your flesh. And then there's some deeper things that you need to work on within your heart and your mind, because the flesh, which is just your impulses of this vessel that we're in, you just have to crucify those. When you have impulses of lust, you need to bring that under control. When you have impulses of violence, impulses of the flesh, and we'll go into the different manifestations of the flesh, you just have to crucify those. There's nothing else to do about it. But the heart and the mind, yes, your heart is deceitful, but God's goal with your soul is to renew your soul, to make your heart love the things of God, love the things of the spirit, even as it said, renew the spirit of your mind. So you're, the, the thing is, we are saved in the spirit, but as we're walking in Christ, we continue to walk in repentance, which means change, not just sorrow. But we continue to walk and change and growth in our mind, in our heart together, especially in our mind, though, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the things that are in our heart, because it says in the Bible, it's the things that are in the heart that come out that defile a man. So that's the thing that is a little bit harder than just crucifying the flesh, but making sure your intentions are right. The word of God divides between your heart and its intents. So making sure our mindsets are right and are renewed after God. So that was the thing that I was a little confused about because it's just like, okay, I've crucified the flesh. As far as I know, as far as I know, there might be, you know, there's always something more to do. <laughs> there's always somewhere else to grow. But as far as some of the things I'm going through, I'm like, okay, I've done all that. I know I've cut off the stuff that I've known to cut off. I've worked on the things that I know are in my heart. You know, when I'm angry at someone or have bitterness or covetousness, you know, those heart issues or even those mindsets, the imaginations, which are arguments that are against the obedience of Christ really working to be like, okay, this is what I've been taught or this is what I think. And this is how I feel. But what does the Bible say about this? Let's bring this into the obedience of Christ. And it's been like, okay, I've, I've been doing this, but it's almost like there's still almost a place to, for the devil to operate. And I think the things we need to emphasize here is this chapter was talking about unity in Christ, having the one, one faith, one baptism and being in the truth. And in order to be in the truth, and I know I've brought this up before, the kingdom of God, and if you've taken finance, if you've taken computer science, if you've taken a couple of different things, you would hear of systems that are called LIFO and FIFO systems. So last and first out systems and first and first out systems. So a LIFO system, or let me say a FIFO system, it's like if you're in line for anything, at line to get a burger, at McDonald's, which is, <laughs> that's terrible. McDonald's does not have real food. You should stop eating it because it's, I promise you, it's doing wickedness to your body. <laughs> but 
let's say you're in line at Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out. I'm about to get In-N-Out this week. I'm very excited. <laughs> but let's say you're in line at In-N-Out. Okay. So if you're in line, the first person in line is going to be the first person to get their order most of the time anyway. But this is that's the goal. The first person is the first person who's going to get attended to. And the last person is the last person that's going to get attended to. But then there's the life of systems, which is kind of like at a store when you're stalking a shelf, a shelf. The very first item that you put is going all the way to the back. So it's going to be the last one that is touched. Or if you're creating a stack in computer science, for example, the paper that the first paper that you put down is going to be at the bottom of the stack. And that's one thing, especially, you know, when you read passages like this. Or you read passages like Colossians chapter three, when it says first to put kill the ways of the flesh, get rid of that, then put off all these things that are within your heart and within your soul and then put on the ways of Christ. Christ needs to become the foundation. So we need to take out these things. We need to repent. That's why repentance is one of the first things you do, because if you don't repent, then you can't just put Christ on top of all this stuff. No, he needs to be at the bottom. He needs to be your foundation. So that's why it's very important for us to put off. And even as Christ has revealed that the kingdom of God is a life of system, because he always talked about how the first shall be last and the greatest shall serve, you know, and be at the bottom. So the higher that you go in Christ is the lower that you go in humility. That's why from the very beginning, it was talking about with meekness and lowliness. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. But the thing is, the lower down you can go and the more humble you can be, the stronger you are, the more compressed the anointing is. And yeah, there's so much benefit to that. And it doesn't make sense necessarily in our carnal minds and the way of the world. But this is the way of the spirit. So we need to make sure that we understand that the kingdom of God is a life of system last and first out. So we're not putting our will first. We're putting God's will first. And then after that, we're submitting ourselves one to another, not submitting to people before God. And that's something else that we're going to talk about as we go into chapter five. But the thing that it talked about was putting off the former conversation of the old man and also letting no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth because as the Bible says, Jesus talked about how it's the things within a man that defile him, the things that he speaks that defile. So we need to make sure that the things that we're speaking are good. But the thing is conversation is a little bit bigger than just communication. Conversation is the things that you're doing, as it says, with your hands, the words that you're speaking. It's your total mannerism. It's your total discipline. So we need to make sure that we have a godly conversation, a Christ centered conversation. I think it's interesting, even as I thought about the scripture that I used in the first episode of this season, how it talked about not being won by the conversation of your wives, but to submit to the word of God. And the thing is, I used to just think about like the way we talk about conversation now, just the things that, you know, your wife may say like, oh, I want this or want that. But it's a little bit more than that, because what happened with Adam. Did, did it even necessarily say that Eve gave, said a word to Adam? No, she just gave it to him and he ate it because the thing is, and going back to the two topics that will be very prevalent in this season, which is the things that I'm really working to uproot because I see this and I've seen it, you know, even when I prayed and looked in the spirit, 
you know, one thing I've seen is wickedness and foolishness is abounding. And the thing is, the motivation behind the wickedness and the foolishness is want or greed and greed is connected to foolishness and the wickedness is connected to ignorance, which is ignoring the commandment. And, you know, the Bible talks, I mean, not the Bible, people always talk about ignorance as bliss, but that's only for a season. We need to make sure that we're not ignorant. There's so many times when the apostle wrote to his people and talked about, I would not have you ignorant. So the thing is, when you look at that story, what was Adam motivated by? He was motivated by his own lust. And he blamed the woman. He's like, it's the woman that you gave me. She was too seductive. She was too this and that. And that's one thing that always goes with wickedness. And when you read in the Bible, which we'll talk about in another episode, but when you read, for example, in Proverbs, Proverbs talks a lot about these two spirits, uh, foolishness and wickedness. And the thing is, when it talks about that wicked woman that flatters, flatters with her face, it's her conversation. So there's a way to you can even be wearing the right clothes, but there's a way that this woman even conversates to where she had an impugnant face that, you know, that face that people make when they're like, I don't need a man or that defiant face. You know, but it's almost seductive and flattering. She flatters with her lips, all these different things. It's a conversation. And that's the thing. He was won by the conversation of his wife, not even the words. You know, the words may have an effect, but it's not even the words. It's the things that she did that won him over because he wasn't thinking. He was moved by his flesh and his impulses. So that's really a power that women, I guess, have, as the Bible talks about, which is why the Bible talks about that, especially when dealing with their husbands, to not usurp the authority in that way through your conversation, but to submit yourself and develop the inner woman. And then it says, as you develop that, God will hear your prayers and God will deal with the issues if your man is not right, I guess. But either way, like I said, I went down a little tangent with that, but it's, it goes back to conversation. There's a way that people of God carry themselves. There's a way of mannerisms and disciplines and the way that people speak that people of God should speak like men of God and women of God. And it is different. It is different. Um, You know, men should not be effeminate. Men should not follow after the ways of women and act as a woman. And it's not just having a broken wrist or a broken spine. It's not just about that, but the way that you think, the way that you speak, the way that you react, there should be a difference. Um, so continuing on, we we're going to continue to talk about the breach that I was really focused on in the morning because we need to make sure that we renew our hearts and renew our minds. But what about this unity in the spirit? And it says there's a way that we should be unified and there's a way that we should not be unified. So going on into Ephesians chapter five, starting with verse one, and it says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love. Remember, what is love? Do I have to say it? <laughs> John 14, 15, John 15, 14. Love of God is obedience, firstly. And then love is also, after obedient, is looking out for one another. In love. And we're going to figure out what all in love includes. It's not just about feeling good. So, walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering a sweet smelling savor, but fornication and uncleanness and or covetousness, let it not once be named 
among you as become of saints. Now, I think it's interesting based off of what this was talking about earlier in the context of the scripture. It's that let it not be named among you. So it's not even just talking about the actual action, but let it not be named. Let it not be talked about. Let it not be called upon. And how do we know we're talking about talking? Because when you go to the next verse, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, all these are talking about talking. Let these not be named. So let not fornication and cleanness, covetousness, let it not be named among you, which we come to say, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. Oh, I was just joking, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. So we need to focus on giving thanks. Thanks. We need to focus on God and godly conversations, godly communications, more specifically, because corrupt community. What did the Bible say? And I believe it was first Corinthians chapter 15. It talks about corrupt communication um, or evil communication corrupts good manners, good conversation. It doesn't even take much. And there's times where I know I was even at work and I felt like you need to leave. You need to leave this conversation right now. And I'm like, no, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. And I listen to all this slander and I listen to all this whatever they're talking about. And I remember I even had a dream about some of the stuff that day about a lot of the stuff. And then it did affect my spirit as I just sat there and received. Just I didn't even say anything. I was just there listening to the conversation and it didn't mean much harm. And the thing was, they weren't necessarily just talking about they were just talking about you know, just like I said, just some of the stuff, the jesting and talking about things that weren't convenient, you know, not thinking on things that are true or holy or pure that'll affect your spirit. And what does it say? And the thing is, before I even focus on this, we need to think back to Romans chapter one, which is, a. <laughs> I love Romans because it's like the first letter of Paul and he just just chooses I'll I, I be careful about the way that I say this, but with modern colloquial uh, chooses violence in the first chapter, he just calls out everything, talks about how people forsake the way of God and hold the truth in unrighteousness and the way of God is not manifest in them, but that God gives them over to the vainness of their mind and the foolishness of their heart. But I think the interesting thing is it talks about how these people do things that are not convenient because they have a reprobate mind, not not a backslidden mind, but a counterfeit mind. And these are people who are supposed to be believers, but they were given to a counterfeit mind that appear to be truth and appears to be genuine, but it's not. And it makes them do things that are not convenient. And they are filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness evil, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil thing, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection or natural thoughts. It's not necessarily talking about passions there, but natural thoughts and affection is a thought um, or mindset, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. 
So that kind of kills a lot of entertainment. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it really does kill a lot of entertainment. But not just entertainment, because entertainment's a form of communication. And the thing is, you may not watch TV. And there's there's denominations that do preach that. Uh, But it's not just TV, you know, and that's part of the reason why I'm so strong. And I'll keep saying it. I'm not for social media. You know, it's not even that I'm not for the social part. It's not it's not really about that, even though we should really focus on one thing that social media has done is it's ruined a lot of people's perception of what is important and what is relevant, because a lot of people focus because of social media and we can be connected to everything. There's some things that are important and aren't relevant. And there's things that are relevant and not important. And there's things that are neither of each or both. And the thing is, there's a lot of things that are relevant and important that are right around us. But because of social media, for example, or your phones, we're focused on everybody. But what is relevant, what is right near us. And then there's, there could be something important like your family. You could talk to your family. But, you know, the more relevant thing is I'm at school. I need to focus on the things at school. So it's not that something's not important, but it's not relevant. And I can't necessarily do everything I need to do with that important thing. And it may not even be urgent, but, you know, whether that be family, whether that be something else, you know, friendships or whatever, we should focus on what God has placed, where God has placed us in the mission that he's given us there. But it's a big distraction. That's the best way of putting it. The way I'm putting this, this is a distraction. But the thing is, not only is it a distraction, but it is literally an amplifier of all these evil communications from the, you know, the T, the T pages and the foolishness and the just thing and the nasty stuff that pops up and it pops up. You know, it pops up. You don't have control over it. It just pops up. It's just feeding you this evil communication and you think you're going to have victory. No. What does the Bible say here in verse five? For, you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous men who is an idolater. So remember, even in Colossians chapter three, when it talks about uh, different mindsets of the flesh make you an idolater. It's idolatry. Idolatry is bigger than just bowing down to a statue. But in the spirit, it, it matters about these little things, these little disciplines. So none of these things will have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So you won't walk in the divine benefits of God if you have any of these things. And the thing is, and one thing, you know, even when I see some stuff in the spirit, sometimes there's some people who I know and then I see, you know, and like I said, you, you need to, you know, not just go off of what you see, you know, but pray on stuff. Cause not everything comes from God that you'll see, but you know, I'll see people who I know aren't whoremongers or no, aren't murderers, or I know for sure aren't this and that, but in the spirit, this is what they are. Or and a whoremonger is just someone who sells whores. It's not necessarily the whore themselves. And there's some people who I've seen even, you know, doing this or that. And it's just like, okay, I know this is not what they are in person. But and then there's even times when I see myself, you know, in certain situations. And the thing is, for something to take place in the spirit is different than in the flesh. Because remember what Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, it's the same thing as if you've already committed the deed. So according to the scripture, who are we to say that I'm not a whoremonger, I'm not an unclean person, or I'm not a covetous person, or I'm not an idolater, if we talk about these things? Because you may not be, you know, a pimp, 
But if you talk about this stuff, you know, buy the truth and sell it not. If you are always communicating about this stuff or around people who communicate it, you're exchanging like you're doing that when you're speaking that when you talk about things that aren't clean. It makes you like that when you talk about things of covetousness, of idolatry, even making idols out of people. It makes you like that and it takes away your inheritance, your divine benefits in the kingdom of Christ. So it's really about getting the heart renewed and the mind renewed. And one of the things that you have to do is not just do that for yourself, but make sure that your surroundings, especially when you can control it, and especially within the people of God, the congregation of God, that we are surrounded with people that are like God. Because Acts chapter four, and we'll talk a little bit more about the soul and what that means, which the soul includes your heart and your mind. And I'll continue to prove that and Uh, upcoming episodes but it talked about how they prayed together in the holy ghost and how they became of one soul and they became of like one body so you could you become in unity with the atmosphere the conversation is affected by your atmosphere as well so it's very important that we're in a right atmosphere and that we're not living in deceit so verse six let no man deceive you with vain words For because of these things come at the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So we can either be followers of God as dear children or children of disobedience, which brings the wrath of God. So we need to make sure that we're walking in love, as it says, walking in obedience for the as John 14, 15 and 15, 14 talk about. And really those whole chapters, 15 and 14. It talks about walking in the love of Christ, which it requires obedience. Following after the way of God is walking in the love, abiding in the love of Christ. That is what we need to do as children of God. So you could either choose the obedient way or the disobedient way. And remember what it said in this preceding chapter. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, how it talked about grieve, not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until unto the day of redemption. And that was one thing where I was confused towards. It's like, you know, a lot of times people are like, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You spoke with tongues, you're sealed. And we need to make sure we maintain that, that we don't seal all the tiny cracks. You know, I know I even had a conversation with my college pastor, uh, the Reinhardts, uh, what a great family they are. But I remember he even expounded on the point when I had talked to him about it and he compared it to the ark And he talked about how it was sealed with pitch on the inside and the outside. So it's very important for us to be sealed all the way through and through with the ark, you know, the place that is supposed to be carrying the promise of God. We are the temples of God. We need to make sure that we are sealed, that we have no breaches on the inside or the outside so that we're not receiving anything, but we're not losing anything either. So we need to make sure, like I said, that we are sealed. And how do we do that? Make sure we're not grieving the Holy Ghost. And that's one thing to where some people are like, you're uptight, you're this and that. And, you know, there might be sometimes, you know, I might be, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm not, but there's been times to where even with people who I've done ministry with and I'll get in, like I've been in group chats and I've been hanging out with people and blah, blah, blah. And these are Christian people like this ain't even, you know, I'm not even talking about, you know, worldly people. I'm talking about within the body of Christ to where it's just like, nah, you got to go. You need to leave. This is not of God. 
And my this Holy Spirit with me felt grieved. You know, I was troubled as I talked about and I leave. And it's not because, you know, I hate anybody, but it's because the stuff that is going on is grieving and it's causing. And there's sometimes where I've been at Christian events, you know, Christian planned events. And I leave struggling more in my mind with thoughts, even though we talked about God a little bit. But because the rest of the conversation and the rest of the stuff that we talked about was not godly, I leave with a more guilty conscience and I leave with a more, you know, leave tempted. And I didn't even feel tempted before I came here. And it's because of this. You're grieving the Holy Spirit and you're not staying sealed. That's that's one thing. The point of godly conversation is to stay sealed. We need to make sure we stay sealed. And like I said, it's caused me to leave, leave quick. That's one thing. It'll teach you to run. It'll teach you to run because what happens if you do not run and you just continue to sit here? Verse seven of Ephesians five, be not you therefore partakers with them. You become a partaker in the sins. That's why if you find pleasure in these things or even to surround yourself with it willingly, you become a partaker. It becomes a breach to you. So the sins that are in that area, and like I said, I, it's been weird <laughs> going places because it's just like, I could just sense the atmosphere of places and even some people, but it's just like, why am I able to tell? Not always, not always. And the thing is, people think, you know, discernment is just something that is just, oh, I have discernment here because I disagree with this and that. It's, that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's not what it's like at all. Uh, at least in my experience, I'm gonna speak from my experience, my wisdom, my experience. But, you know, sometimes it's like, I didn't even care to know this about this person. Like sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes it's just like, okay, there's something off about this person. And it's just like something's just disturbing, you know? And it's just like, and there's some people I've even witnessed to, and I started witness to, but I still have my guard up and I was glad I did, you know, in certain areas when, cause I figured out, you know, as things were revealed that what you were feeling was right in this area about this person who was doing this and that, you know, and even like I said, so it's stuff to pray about. And what's the purpose of this for you were sometimes darkness, but now ye are in the light. Walk as children of the light. What is the light? Jesus is the light. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is our light. He is the living water. All of this is based off of truth. So you can either choose to walk in light and in truth or in ignorance and darkness, which is disobedience, which brings the wrath of God upon you for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You must have it all together, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So we need to make sure that our conversation is an acceptable conversation. As Romans 12 says, living a life holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service and not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds through the spirit, renewing the spirit of your mind, because your spirit is in deeper than your soul. It's like the deepest part of you. We need to make sure that we are being renewed in the inner man, that we are growing in the inner man. And that is what makes us acceptable to God. And any other lifestyle is not acceptable. God doesn't just accept any sacrifices. But we need to have that obedience and love how the psalmist says it in Psalm 19, the same psalm that talks about the law of the Lord is perfect and wording the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, and more to be desired are they. It also talks about how what man can know their errors, cleanse us from secret faults, and keep us from presumptuous sins. And then it ends the psalm talking about may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So we need to make sure that the things that we speak, the way that we conversate, the way that we meditate, the things that we meditate on are things that are of God in order to be acceptable to him. It's very important that we're acceptable to him because it says the prayers of an unrighteous man, I believe in Proverbs, are an abomination to God. We need to make sure that we are not abominations to God and that we're not sending ourselves on a path of unfavorable judgment because not all the judgment of God is bad. It talks about judging the fatherless. It talks about how God judges and it's for good. Judgment is always good, even if you don't like it when you're walking in the will of God. So going on and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. What does reprove mean? Expose. That's what it means. So not necessarily talking about just these exposed ministries because there's a murderous spirit behind those a lot of those ministries even some of them that are right but the thing is when you are exposing the works of darkness it brings the conviction of sin and and the thing is and we'll talk about it as this i'll finish reading this section and then i'll go back to covering that so have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them for it is a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things are reproved and made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools. So walking with careful or attentiveness that's a better word walking attentively not as fools but as wise so as someone who has experienced the way of god redeeming the time because the days of evil are evil wherefore be not unwise but understanding what the will of the lord is be not drunk with wine wherein it's excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing making melody melody in your heart not melody <laughs> melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the lord so how are we loving one another in the fear of the Lord. So we're loving God first and the way that we love God affects the way that we love others. So the thing is the light of Christ will not accept the ways of darkness. It'll cause you to leave, but especially when you're in the midst of believers, it reproves them. It'll give you the boldness to be like, no, what we're talking about here isn't right. And if the atmosphere is just that charged to where what you're going to say is not going to matter, just leave. That's what I'll do. But it, the way of God is to reprove the ways of darkness, to expose it for what it is, not for the sake of embarrassment, but to awake the sleepers, to get rid of this way of drunkenness, which is excess, but to be filled with the spirit. The drunkenness, what happens when you're junk, drunk, you're not sober, you're not temperate, temp, you don't have any temperance as the Bible talks about in Galatians 5, but 
you have no structure, you have no order, you're disorderly. The way of God is for peace. The peace of God comes through the order of God. So we need to make sure that we are submitted to the way of God in our conversation and not just our conversation, but the conversation we surround ourselves with, the atmospheres that we put ourselves in. We have the authority to change that. And if we, you know, if God is leading you to leave, because it says to flee from youthful lust. So when you're desiring something or you're, this area is just not for you, God is going to tell you to leave. So that's the thing. And a lot of people, when they read the scripture, they like to focus on verse 12, for it is a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret, done of them in secret, which is not just talking about the sins of people in secret, but the way people talk about sinful stuff. But the thing is, you have to read before that and after that. It talks about reproved and after that. But it doesn't matter what happens in secret because it's going to be exposed by the light, by the truth. The truth will make it manifest. Like I said, it's very interesting, even as you read in the Old Testament, the Urim and the Thummim and what I've read in the Greek version, how it talks about they'll call the judgment, the things that were used to get the judgment of God. In the Old Testament, the Urim and the Thummim, it called them the manifestation of, and truth, truth and manifestation, the spirit and truth and the the spirit of truth always manifests the truth and it will show the manifestations of falsehood, too. It makes a separation between the two. And the thing is, a lot of people like to talk about it's a shame to speak of those things that are done in secret. So we're just going to cover up every scandal. We're just going to cover up all the sin that's going on. We're never going to address anything. We're never going to rebuke anything. We're never going to reprove everything. That is not what this is saying. It's saying it's a shame. And even if it is something that somebody said, you know, it's it really is a shame that it happened, but it still needs to be reproved. The Bible talks about confessing your sins will bring you freedom. Confessing your sins and your faults will bring freedom. But a man that covers his sins will not be forgiven. So this is not what this is talking about. And the thing is, even there, it's not even necessarily talking about the actual sins of the people that they're necessarily doing, but the allowance and the talking, the evil conversations. I know one thing that's been grieving me recently is even hearing some people who are even elders, you know, some of the jokes that they feel comfortable making, you know, uh, sexual jokes or whatever. And it's just like, okay, this is not the place. And really we shouldn't even be thinking about these things, you know, but that's the thing is a shame to speak of those things. What is this? What was half of the stuff? These last two chapters talking about conversation, but the majority of it was speech because the thing is the speech is going to affect your actions. You know, it starts as a thought, you know, then you speak your thoughts and it defiles you. Remember that. This defilement comes from the things that you speak. We do not, we should not be defiling the temple of God. And the thing is, as we defile ourselves in this way, it really opens us up to the different things. So it really grieves me when I hear people joking about fornication. I know a lot of churches, you know, though, you know, this is unfortunate, but a lot of people are very comfortable joking about, you know, homosexuality, a lot of different weird things that I'm like, why would you even joke about that? Why are you even thinking about that? And it's just like you are open, you're opening yourself up and everybody listening to that, to that spirit and the devil, you're giving place to the devil. And as much as people don't want to talk about that, it does change the atmosphere of places where this conversation is going on and it does affect the people, whether they act like it or not. There's places that have more of a spirit of something 
solely because people became comfortable with talking about it and it opened up the door to it. Even people who grew up in the church and weren't even exposed to this stuff, it opens up the door to it because you were willing to have this evil and wicked conversation that corrupts your good manners. So the conversation, the way that you carry yourself, the atmospheres you put yourself in will eventually corrupt the way that you act. So continuing on, I'm going to just finish reading this chapter. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth him, loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great ministry that I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and the wife that she reverence her husband. So we see there is different conversation for men and women in the Bible that it talks about. And there is a different way to act between the two because we have different purposes, even from the very beginning of time. And it's very important that we stay in that order. And right here, there's a great mystery that is revealed about Christ in the church. It talks about for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. So what happened? What is Jesus? He left his abode as the father and came down as a son and is married to the church. So what happens as you as an individual, you know, you as an individual, as the Bible talks about, how can the temple of Christ be married and also be the temple of harlots? How can you be married to Christ and a harlot? You can't have both. So are you going to leave the way of God, leave the way of Christ and his church, his assembly, not necessarily an organization, but Christ and his assembly. Uh, so mainly leave the ways of Christ. And are you going to join yourself to the harlot of this world, the whoredoms of this world by your conversation? It's very important that we die to ourselves, that these covenants will be broken so that we do not become partakers of these sins. Another thing that's important here, washing by the water of the word. How do we renew our minds by prayer and meditation on his word that we would be pre a glorious church without having spot or wrinkle or any blemishes that we would be holy? This comes through the submission to God. So I know, you know, with modern anything modern culture and theology whatever people try to make it seem like that this is not about subjection but there is an order to things this is clearly what the bible says it is an authoritarian order the man should love his wife as christ loves us and she should reverence her husband what does this mean even in the christian perspective i think a lot of people and i'm, I'm probably going to make an episode about this too a lot of people don't understand what love is. Love usually makes a provision. Hope is a little different than love. And a lot of people confuse hope with love. 
because what is a, a lot of times, especially even in the family dynamic, women's conversation is more it's perceived as love, but it's usually more of hope. She speaks words of hope and nurturing to her children and sets an expectation, gives people expectation. And that's what she that's what, you know, even what a woman does to with her husband. You know, she reverences him. She makes him feel good about the stuff. She honors him, but she gives that expectation. She has the hope. What do we do as the church? We have our hope set in Christ. We have our expectation set of Christ to not only receive, but we also give honor to God. And he loves us in exchange of our hope and our faith, the way that we act. Both of us act, you know, should act in faith. But that's the thing. We express we live by three things as uh, Corinthians chapter 13 says hope, faith and love. And the greatest of these is love. The things that we give the most that we give to is to God. You know, we love God by obeying him, by reverencing him. But we're operating out of the fear of the Lord. And that's what the purpose of this submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So we need to make sure that our conversation is holy unto God. And I'm debating whether I, I spent a lot of time in just two chapters and I usually don't do that. Um, I guess I woke up with this really on my heart today, but I'm trying to decide if it'll, I think I'm gonna go ahead and go here. I'm still going to go and f- do one more chapter and it'll be Galatians five. And this will really kind of focus on some of the things of the flesh and of the spirit. So starting with verse one, Stand there fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again that a man is second, that is every to every man that is circumcised, that he's debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become no effect to you whosoever are justified by the law, ye are fallen by great fallen from grace. Now what does this mean? Because in Romans it talks about is the law done away with? No, we establish the law through our faith in Christ. And Jesus himself said, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. So this is not what this is talking about. And the thing is, it's talking about if you get your justification through the law, because the thing is, if we feel justified by the things that we do, um, because we wear this, because we do this and we do that. And it's not necessarily that those things are bad, but if we feel justified because we do this, we do that, then we're not getting justification out of the fact that Jesus Christ died for, for us and we're living for him. We do the things of God and the things that he commanded us to do because we love him. And we've recognized the fact that our justification comes through Christ and his spirit that is working within us that leads us because the ways of the spirit, there is no law against the ways of the spirit. So when we walk in the way of the spirit, we are free from the condemnation that the law brings because the law is still there. The law still stands. But Christ through Christ, we overcome the law. We're not walking in lawlessness, but we walk in the way of God. We walk from the way of grace. So I'll cover that more probably in another episode too. So verse five, for we through the spirit wait. Patience is a very big thing with God for the hope of righteousness by faith. Remember what I was talking about. We have hope in God. Jesus Christ is our hope. He sets our expectation of righteousness. So we follow after him in faith. 
For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Notice, faith works by love. Our actions and our beliefs followed by our love, our obedience, our reverence to God. So it's not just enough to have faith. It's not just enough to have belief. It's not just enough to have faith, which really, uh, faith is usually kind of, I think this really kind of goes with, I think, I'm going to just say this. So, Faith and love, obedience and sacrifice. If you have faith, but no love, if you have faith, but no obedience, it doesn't mean anything. It does not mean anything. But if you have faith and obedience, then the sacrificial life and the more faith that you have, the more that you're going to get out of that. Because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you're going to move things. But if you're walking in love and faith together, you'll get things. But people... We have people who've just faith in faith now. We believe it. There's a people who believe in just manifesting. Oh, I'm going to manifest my blessings. I'm just going to manifest this and that. And the things is the things that we speak matter. We believe, therefore, we've spoken in Christ, in Christ, through God, the promises of God. We have the expectation that we have these things in Christ, but we only obtain those things while we're submitted to him. So it's very important that we're rooted and grounded. We're filled with faith, but rooted and grounded in love. Love is the principal thing. You cannot get around obedience. So we sacrifice through our obedience. We have faith that worketh by our love. You cannot separate the wisdom, your experience from the understanding. With all that getting, get understanding. It all goes together. The Bible says the same thing over and over again. That's the thing that you realize. It's so that deep. And there's so many facets to the wisdom, but it says the same thing. Verse seven, get it run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Notice it's it, obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. So we're not focusing on what other people's expectations are. We're not focusing on the commandments of men and the traditions of man specifically. We're focused on the way of God, serving God for ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't take correction from nobody or nothing like that. The thing is, it's all submitted to the fear of the Lord. We're not living up to this extra standard or lower even standard. It could be a lower standard than the gods, but we're not living based off of, well, this guy told me to get circumcised. So I'm just going to get circumcised. Now I'm righteous. No, we're righteous through the commandments of Christ. We're righteous through following after God. So this is the liberty. We're not focused on what anybody else thinks. And that's what Galatians is all about. Paul was not focused on what anybody else thought. He was focused on pleasing God and getting as close to God as possible. And that did all the conviction he needed. His conviction went deeper than the people who were there before him because he was focused on God. And that's the thing. If you focus on God, the conviction will come quick. It'll come deeper. It'll make you stronger. And that's the liberty that we have. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not the liberty for an occasion. We've talked about that to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So one thing we notice in the Bible is occasion is usually not a good thing. If we're just looking for opportunities to do what we want to do, 
opportunities to move out of strife. That is not the way of God. The way of God is love, which love brings service first to God and then also to one another. And how do we serve one another? We will see here for all the laws fulfilled in one word. Even this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust in the flesh. What is this talking about? The walk, the speech, the conversation, not biting and devouring one another. The walk in the conversation, the walk in the communication, the conversation. It's the lifestyle of a disciple. This is what it's talking about. So what is the this is talking about the discipline. The conversation of a disciple when it talks about walking in the spirit. And then if you're walking by the spirit, you will not fulfill any of the lusts of the flesh, the impulses of the flesh. So we need to make sure our souls are after the way of the spirit, that our will is after the way of the spirit. Remember, it said in the chapter we just read, we need to understand what the will of God is. Um, I believe that was Ephesians chapter four, actually. So when we understand the will of God and we love the will of God, then we'll just follow after that. If we have understanding of that, we will not have need of a teacher as John talks. First John talks about, you won't have need of a teacher because you know what's right. But a lot of people just want to be led by people. And that's not the way of God. He's against the way of the Nicolaitans having a priest because we're all supposed to be priests and Kings through him. Now, I'm not saying to operate in a way out of disorder. I'll go deeper into that in another, another time, but this is our conversation that we're talking about conversations. And if we're following after spirit, if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything will be added to us. We will not need to seek the ways of the flesh that what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? We don't have to worry about that. We won't fulfill. We won't, we won't fulfill those desires of our flesh for the flesh. Let's look against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Now, let me pause here. When I, I have my study Bible here, which my study Bible sometimes is all right. But a lot of times it makes me angry when I read the notes because I'm like, this is just some foolishness when the confusion. But. The thing is, my study Bible here, when, it, when you read verse 19 and it talks about adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, it's like adultery, fornication, uncleanness is sexual sin, lasciviousness is sexual sin. And I'm like, why would it list sexual sin four times? So about a month or two ago, I went and studied this verse in the Greek. <clears throat> and the thing is, it's very interesting. This is not what it means at all. First of all, this translation is a little weird uh, because when you read this it says adultery and fornication but when you read in the Greek and what the transcript really says there's no different word for adultery and fornication it's the same thing the word there that is used is pornea which is all sexual sin all sexual sin is wrapped up in that so why would it list sexual sin four times and really why would it list it three times in the original so adultery and fornication are in the same lump. So all sexual sin, thinking about it, doing it, anything that is all lumped in one thing. So what is uncleanness and what is lasciviousness? The Bible outlines many forms of uncleanness, and I won't go too deep into that today, but read the Bible all the way through. 
in the fullness of its context. And it'll be very clear what uncleanness is. There's a lot of things that cause uncleanness and God even cleanse people from uncleanness. Uncleanness can bring disease, but it's not just about disease. It brings defilement and it gives a place to the devil. And then what is lasciviousness? Lawlessness. The thing is, the law still stands. Now, the way it applies to us is not exactly the same way, but that's why it's very important for us to read the Bible in its entirety and not go off of the wisdom of man, the philosophies of man, the traditions of man, but read the Bible for yourself and seek the will of God and crucify your ways. And I know I've been called, you know, you're, you're so selfish, blah, 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 because you're preaching this and that. And I don't want to hear that, blah, 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 blah. And it's from people in church. People in church are saying this. And it's just like, I've crucified my flesh to believe this. Like, I don't care about none of this stuff. You live your, like my philosophy without the Bible is live your life. Do what you want to do. That's a demonic philosophy. That's literally the quote of Satanism. The whole of the laws, do what you want to do in Satanism. So a lot of people really have a Satanist law mindset. That's lawlessness. Just do what you want to do. Follow the lust of your flesh. Follow your heart. It's not the way of God. So sexual sin is manifestation, which is even the thoughts of sexual sin, watching sexual sin, thinking on sexual sin. That's a manifestation. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, lawlessness, idolatry. And we, we figure out that the Bible idolatry is bigger than just one just actually bowing before an idol. But it's a mindset, it's obsessions. Those are idolatry, witchcraft, different manipulations. That's manipulation around the word of God to get your will. Wickedness, witchcraft, hatred, variance. What is variance? Variance is strife and discord, a change, a variation from the way of God, because the Bible says that our father is the father of lights. Every good and give, perfect gift comes from the father of lights in whom there is no variance. There's no shadow of turning. The way of God does not change. The ways of God did not change. So any strife that comes through this variance, it's because of discord that is sown by that individual who decided that they wanted to follow their flesh and do their own thing and not the way of God. So that, that's what this is about. Not variate, variating from a creed because that's why it's just, so many people can get caught up in church as an establishment and rather than church as the assembly of those in the a fellowship in the spirit to where when a creed says something that is against the word of God, then they go with that rather than focusing on God. That's a variance. That's what variance is. So variance emulations, which makes you want to emulate someone. So it's a lot of falsehood there. Wrath, strife, following after your own way selfishness or self-ambition that's what strife is seditions which is uprisings against the way of god rebellion that's what the sedition is heresies heresy is not a um a heresy is not a division that's not what that means heresy means a sellout it's literally part of the word the etymology of that word that's what it is that's what balaam is every fool is a heretic so when you're moved out of your greed, you're going to be a heretic in the main church, the Catholic church, the main church that was calling people heretics was the king of being a heretic because they were sellouts. That's what the whole indulgence thing was. So we need to make sure that we're not following after 
people's traditions and people's philosophies, but what is the real truth? And the truth will set people free. That's not what a heretic is. A heretic is a sellout. And I'll have an episode about that some other time. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is affecting our inheritance, the power, the promises of God. We need to make sure our conversation is right. The fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Love is the principal thing. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control, soberness. That's what that is. Meekness, humility. Against such, there is no law. So if you follow the way of love, follow the way of joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, you will not transgress against the law. Because it will lead you into that total way of Christ. And even when you see faults, as the next chapter will go into, you will seek to bear one another's burden and give a little bit of forbearance, not allowance of the sin, but help them up and lead them back to that way of love. That is, there's no law against this way when you're following these, all these principles together. And they, verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh lust with the lust and the affections. So the flesh has mindsets and the flesh has passions and desires. And we have to crucify all that. I've talked about that in the disciples desire episode. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. Notice the conversation is based off of not your spirit, but the spirit. And I'll talk about this, like I said, in another episode. But this was just a brief one, just talking about this is if your conversation is not right and you're surrounded in atmospheres that aren't right, it's going to make a breach. You're going to be a partaker of not sins that you did even, but other people's sin, other people's spirits. That's what it means. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Another way to say that is spirits are going to transfer. <laughs> so, when you make yourself comfortable with this and you give ignorance, you ignore the issue instead of operating out of the light, your light is going out. When you operate out of ignorance, you're blinded. You become foolish because you're greedy because something you feel like you're lacking something. So you become foolish because you're motivated by lack rather than saying, I have everything I need in God. So I don't need this conversation. I don't need this atmosphere. I have everything I need because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to lack. So we need to make sure that we are living by the spirit. The spirit brings unity. So there should not be all these variances in our belief. There should not be variances in all these things. So every variance is coming from the ways of the flesh, the divisions, all these denominations and stuff like that. It's people's flesh getting in the way. People thinking that they have the revelation and don't continue on, continue pressing towards the mark. It sets up a roadblock. It sets up a stronghold. It sets up division that is unnecessary because God's will is not necessarily for us to have division within the body. There are no divisions within the body. So every division that is within the body is because works of the flesh are manifest and there's no light to reprove it. So, and this is something that I feel. I do feel like we're about to come up on a season of reproof where works are going to be reproved, tested by fire. Where does light come from? God, our God is a consuming fire. Fire emits light. 
I know, I believe it's first Corinthians three, might be second Corinthians three, but it talks about testing with the fire and the works will be tested. If it's of gold, if it's truly what it looks like, or if it's of hay and stubble, it's there's three materials that are, can survive the fire and three materials that can't survive the fire. So the thing is the reproof just proves your love. And I know this year I've been going through a lot of things that have proved my love. It's proved where I was weak in some areas. It's proved also that I can't love God based off of how the situation is going. If I understand why my body feels this way or why this. And when I say that, like sickness or infirmities, stuff that doesn't make sense, but it's to prove your love. The trials that you go through prove your love. So. I pray that we would seal all the tiny cracks and that we will remain sealed in the spirit. So let us pray now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you provided for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would seal us in your spirit, that you would lead us in your spirit, that we would not grieve your Holy Spirit, but that we would follow every leading of your spirit, that we would be filled with your way of reproof, not to provoke one another, but to bring restoration because all the ways of the spirit are for restoration. I pray, Lord, that you would reprove the works of darkness within us and the works of darkness around us, that you would protect us, that you would lead us and guide us, that we would walk in the spirit, that we will walk in the grace of God, that we will walk in the knowledge of God, which is light, that we will walk in the light and that we would be the light and that we would shine the light everywhere that we go. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would fortify us, that we would not be moved and swayed by other people's conversations and that we would not be corrupted by evil communication, but that we would not be partakers and we would not fellowship as we should not fellowship and that we should speak up when we ought to speak, that we may speak boldly as we ought to speak and to follow after you. I pray Lord, that you would fill us with confidence in our heart and boldness in our speech, that we would do and say the things that we ought to do and that we would do it with love, that we would do it all with peace and ultimately have understanding of your perfect will and that you would give us a passion for your word and prayer that we would understand what your will is, that we would have ears to learn and tongues to learn, that we would speak as we ought to speak. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. And in your holy name, I pray this. Amen. Well, that's what I felt this morning. <laughs> it's actually not the morning. I got up late because uh, I'm about to get on the plane and get to California, the West Coast. Get me some in and out. It's going to be delicious. Very excited. But anyways, by the time this podcast comes out, I'll already be back from California and I'll be on my way to get some East Coast food, maybe some Bojangles. I don't know. I don't know if Bojangles is good. I've never had it, but I just know that's an East Coast thing. So by the time that comes out, I'm probably going to be on the East Coast. But anyways, until next time, focus on your conversation, focus on your conduct as a disciple. And the thing is, your conversation is going to affect how people see you. It talks about how the name of God is blasphemed by the Gentiles, is blasphemed by the unbelievers. And I've seen it happen even with people in my own church. There's times and it's very sad to where and there's times where I failed here, too. But there's times to where I would even be there would be people that knew I was over P7 Club. There's people who knew that I was over uh the Bible club and come and talk to me about people from my church and they're blaspheming it. And they're talking also this evil talk because of the way that some people were acting. 
their conversation and they didn't recognize I still go to their church. Like I go to this church and I have to defend that. But that's the thing, the way that we carry ourselves. And there's times where I've messed up and I didn't say the right thing or live the right way in a day, even just for a day. And it causes blaspheming, blasphemy, and ultimately blasphemy against God. It makes people feel justified in their sin when we do not live in the conversation. So our conversation is a witness in and of itself of Christ or an opportunity, a place for the devil to operate. So I pray that he would give you revelation in that area and wisdom so that we would walk in good conversation and be in good atmospheres of good conversation and that our communication would be upright. But until next time, I'm going to go and enjoy me some in and out. Very excited. My mind is a little bit set on that. Maybe too much. I pray about it. But until next time, I pray y'all have a blessed day. God bless.